Wow, good morning, Berkshires. How are you? It is a happy Tuesday. I hope you're all having a happy Tuesday out there. Uh, those who are listening in the Berkshires and beyond on the World Wide Web, it's time for What's Your Sign? I have your number, and I'm your host, Sharita Starr. Here for the next hour on Berkshire Community Radio, WBCRLP, 97.7 FM, Great Barrington, and of course, it is 11 o'clock, and... Uh, those you also may be live streaming on that www.berkshireradio.org. Today's show returns one of my most favorite guests, indulging in the wonderful wisdom of the meat and potatoes astrologer Anthony S. Pico. Anthony will be joining us to discuss the intricate connections between astrology and how the Seth material relate to one another. So don't change your dial or your live stream as we are about to tell you all about how to take control of the free will in your spirit as you continue to evolve with what's going on in your soul. Lost in the beauty of the sky, breathing the moon, the colors of a rainbow, shed to soon, firefly, flicker, smile, shine like the sun, if life's about the journey. Again, welcome back, dear listeners. How are you out there on the World Wide Web and those listening at 97.7 FM, Great Barrington, WBCRLP. We're here again with What's Your Sign? I have your number. I'm Sharita Starr, and we've got a great show for you again today. Um, I'll introduce my fabulous guest in just a few moments, but um, right now we're going to catch up with a little planetary news, what's happening in our zodiac skies here. Today is the 15th of uh, November of 2011. Yeah, we all just had that big old 11-11-11 date, and uh, people were going hog wild about it, and uh, of course, I, I had to put my real deal two cents in that you can't forget about that two and the zero. <laughs> 
<laughs> in the, the actual year um, when you're really looking at the, the real numerology behind it. So, um, but, you know, there was lovely things that can happen um, when things align in uh, magical numbers. Um, we've done some shows upon this, but, um, you know, it was a great day to tap into your emotions and then take responsibility for them. And that is where what I really see about what, what the 1111 adding it all up to 2011 truly truly means so um, taking responsibility uh, for those emotions and being very responsible in your partnerships and and not allowing emotional responses to uh, you know show up and get a little hairy for you but today we have our son is presently at a master number degree of the 22nd degree of Scorpio we're winding down we're in the last week of Scorpio here and of course when you're looking at the 22 you're looking at the Chaldeans understanding of submission and caution um, which is again here we are in this alignment of two separate ideas to create a uh, foundation and a structure uh, when you're looking at the 22 uh, 22 is very innovative it's very um, you know you're going to definitely be uh, relying on your originality your individual um, individualism and uh, there's a great sense of brotherhood and sisterhood upon this day sometimes we can expect the un unexpected under the 22 because uh, that underlying Uranus guidance there is always um, always very prominent very very present and we're currently waning today in a um where where is our moon today we're waiting at a um cancer moon today so from your taurus part of your zodiac chart where the full moon kicked off last week on the 10th all the way through to we're going to gather through um the day after thanksgiving is our next new moon which will be on the 25th and we also have a solar eclipse that day very very exciting um all while Mercury will have gone retrograde the day before upon Thanksgiving. So, you know, if your Thanksgiving dinner doesn't turn out right, you can blame Mercury as usual, you know, that maybe something might change up there a little bit. Because <laughs> that's always, that's going to be around the station. Uh, you know, when Mercury stations before he retrogrades, he goes extremely ridiculously, retardedly slow. And um, that's when, I, you know, when you're going from going forward to going backwards around that station that's when he really creates some chaos because when you got the planet that likes to move quickly and he's not moving quickly at all we can really see some you know just things to deal with down here below but always with a mercury retrograde apply those re's so yes today we're waning in a cancer moon so it's a great day to kind of take a check check around your environment kind of be a little uh, spend a little more time paying attention to the home it's the collective energy energy but wherever cancer is in your chart is where you're seeing a taking away of energy um, and that's going to you get the whole half of Taurus all the way through to that uh, new moon in uh, Sagittarius where everything this half of your chart is everything's kind of in its taking away phase so uh, it's where all the reflection is happening at present so enjoy it you know don't um, 
don't shun away from it because reflection is important. And uh, today, of course, is the 15th. It's the uh, magician day today. We've got an underlying, underlying Venus influence going on. And uh, Venus, of course, is all about those relationships. But the 15th really likes to bring uh, a sense of peace, sense of harmony. Um, if there's a situation that you kind of need to, to weigh the pros and cons under, this is a great day to do that as well. So, um, you know, it can kind of come to uh, a nice alignment and a nice realization today. So, that's a little bit of, you know, our planetary goodies that's going on. So today we have, we're going to be talking about, now some of you may know, um, if any of you are familiar with uh, what we call the Seth material, it's, um, Seth was an entity that was channeled through the psychic Jane Roberts, and there's there's a numerous books about this, there's Seth, Seth Speaks, the Seth material, um, there, there's numerous sources, um, and it's kind of like, he, he was like an entity, and he, and he had things that he wanted to say through uh, Jane Roberts, and one of the things he said was, I am primarily a personality with a message. You create the world that you know. You have been given perhaps the most awesome gift of all, the ability to project your thoughts outward into physical form. And um, my very special guest today, and we're going to tie this into astrology because um, my special guest today, Anthony S. Pico, um, is, he's a fan of the Seth material, and so he's done a lot of cross-analysis and, and all sorts of very interesting things here. So it's going to be a little, a little interesting. I'm very fascinated to hear what he has to say about all of this because I've, I've been interested in the Seth thing for, for many years. So since I was in my uh, late teens, I came across those books. Um, and he says, and my special guest today has a little quote about what the planets that guide any of our astrological charts do for us, and quote, and another myth about astrology is busted. Planets don't make you do anything. They are symbols or and indicators, not the source of the trait or quality in you. Your astrological birth chart only represents what is already inside of you. You came first. Your chart came afterwards. Human beings ex- existed for centuries before astrology was codified. The point I am making, astrology is a system, not a cause. And opting out of responsibility is not the best way to use that system. Even when two people born at the exact same time in the same hospital same year will still be different because they will make choices. And if the planets and signs are actually forced you to behave in a certain way, those people would be clones now, wouldn't they? Unquote. Anthony S. Pico has been practicing Western tropical astrology since 1986 with hundreds of satisfied clients to his credit. Although he has dabbled in various forms and methods of astrology and is currently tackling new chart rectification techniques, he is a meat and potatoes astrologer, preferring to rely on the traditional tried and true. A member of the NCGR, he has also taught beginner classes and was part of the astrology discussion panel on BCA TV, Brooklyn Cable Access. Anthony is indeed my tried and true Capricorn friend who can not only handle and make the most out of any of these retrograde periods that we're always talking about, but he only knows how we can make proper choices in our lives to reap the best results from how our natal chart is best cast to be utilized as our personal map that shares this profound wisdom. And you can also find um, Anthony on the web at CosmicTuesdays.com, which is... Um, 
his great blog that he has. And I think I've got him live on Skype for a change, which is something new I'm trying today. So, Anthony, can you hear me? I can hear you. Am I, am I here, Paul? Let's see. Are we catching you? Here, say good morning and welcome back to the show. Good morning and welcome back to the show. Oh, I've got you live. It's totally, the you're, you're raising the bars on the levels. I'm so excited this is working. <laughs> Technology is a wonderful thing. It, I did I did say that you dropped that a couple of times in intro for a moment or two, but other than that, uh, it's been fine. Okay, cool. Well, we have the live the uh, the wireless is cranking here, so I think we're going to have you live throughout the whole thing. So I, I'm excited. Sounds good. Uh, I guess we've entered another step into the age of Aquarius today by uh, using, using technology to... I, I have. Well, you know, it's funny, you know, these personal month cycles and, and all these things. I'm in a four-personal month this month, so I'm supposed to be more innovative than normal, and it's a day of new beginnings for me, so I think I might have succeeded in something here. <laughs> sounds, sounds excellent. Finally, Sharita figures out how to use her computer. <laughs> Well, you know, they're so packed full of stuff. It's, there's always like a thousand things you haven't been using on your computer. Uh, yeah, I, oh, my God. I, I'll bet if I, you know, really sat down with the tutorials, I'd be amazed at what I could do even faster. But, you know, at this point, I, I just kind of have to stick with, you know, I'm, I'm such a, you know, I'm a, like a seven life path. I, I love the, I, I, you know, I get so very comfortable with what I know. And then, you know, this tech, the way that the world is so speedy, I like, I can't keep up with it. It's like my brain just, you know. It just doesn't work that fast, and I get so used to the way one thing works, and then they want to go and update it, and I'm like, oh god, now I got to get used yeah. to something else. <laughs> yeah, I just like I just learned this software, and now you fixed it to make it better. Yeah. And now I got to learn it all over. Well, I always say, God bless Steve Jobs. He's done a fabulous job with uh, with everything, yes. and um, we miss him terribly. We will miss him. Uh, he he did wonderful things for us, left an incredible legacy behind. So. So now, and, and, uh, but say again. I was going to say, and he left some interesting last words. He said, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow, and then he passed. Oh, well, that was probably this crossing over thing. I mean, I, I hear it's rather intense, so... Um, I think it's a it's a it's a nice it's a nice uh, it, we don't go to some scary place it's a it's a very cool thing when it happens I think so a lot of people are afraid of death but it's I don't think it's anything we should be afraid of let's put it that way. Well, Seth, Seth actually Seth actually says that death is just another form of birth. You don't. Uh, that's right. Cease to, you know. Um, yeah, I've been studying the Seth material. Uh, I first picked up one of the books in like 1982, and I started reading it, and it was just like. This was completing all the thoughts I was having. I'd be like, but what if da-da-da-da? And then I'd read Seth and he'd explain what, you know. And I found it, it just, as I'm reading it, made perfect sense. And, and I think, you know, sometimes when I tell people when I'm first talking about the Seth material, the stuff that Seth writes about in his books is stuff that I think all of us knew in our bones when we were born. Yeah. And we're talked out by society or talked out of it by our well-meaning parents, teachers, whoever, you know, that tells us the right way to do things. And, uh, yeah, you can strip Seth down to one basic statement. You create your own reality on every 
level. Yes, you we do. You choose when you die, you choose when you're born, and you choose everything that happens to you. Mm-hmm. Much Which like our free will. <laughs> Go ahead, what? Much like our free will in astrology. <laughs> well, that's, that's exactly what sort of brings it into me, because if you yeah. choose when you're born, then you chose that chart. Yes, you did. And, and uh, that's one of the reasons I kind of step back from the planet's don't make you do anything. I mean, they symbolize it, and they, it's, but it symbolizes the choices your, for want of a better term, your soul made before you came back in again, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so, you know, when Seth even talks about it, sometimes when people have um, a difficult childhood, you had a hand in creating that childhood. You chose to set up challenges and goals for yourself, and that's what you're there to deal with. Now, and no, I want to make a point because sometimes people look at the Seth material and say it almost gives you an excuse to like say, "Well, that's your problem," and walk away. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that just because you chose those problems, you can't seek help and you can't connect to other people and you can't be and other people can't be compassionate for what you've done because that might be all part of the solutions you're going to need to deal with whatever the 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 challenges you set up for yourself yeah, to learn about. Absolutely. You know? So uh, I don't, just because you choose your life, it doesn't mean you should look at somebody else and go, well, you're a jerk, you know, I don't have to help you, you chose that. Uh, <laughs> one of point, yeah, too bad for you. <laughs> because the thing that he can, can continually repeats is that everything is based on love and joy. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Life is supposed to be joyful and a joyful experience. And uh, it's, uh, well, actually, when he talks about suffering and he says, Suffering is not good for the soul. This is almost a direct quote. The only point of suffering is to learn how to stop suffering. Yes. You see, you'll kind of learn what not to do. It's like when you make a mistake, and if you can recognize that mistake, you're not going to go back and repeat it, unless, of course, you're the definition of insanity. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's your choice, you know. You know, I think what happens for some people, a friend of mine came up with a great comment. She said... uh, And this has to do with the beliefs we set up. We create our reality through beliefs. And she said, when watching people repeat the same thing, she said, most people would rather be right than be happy. Ah, isn't that the truth? And I think (laughs) the way I interpret that is that, that we, as we grow up, we create beliefs about the world based on our chart, based on... Um, the experiences we had growing up and whatnot. And then we, I think we subconsciously continually try to prove these things. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I'm always going to be unlucky in love. And sure enough, you have like 17 lousy relationships. Yeah. But you're bringing that belief to it before you even start dating anybody. Yeah, 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 so, exactly. If you so, believe it, it's going to manifest. Trust me. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> And it's funny, I have, I have a, a little quick a, a little story. I have these two friends. Um, this goes back a couple of decades ago when I started reading this death material. And uh, I had a friend, Lee, and a friend, Anne. And they would both come into the city to visit me because I live in Manhattan. And uh, Lee, Lee was a bit of a mope, a bit of a negative guy. And he always said that he was coming in to visit me. He needed to leave an extra half hour to find parking because it's, he knew, and I stress the word knew, it was hard to find parking in Manhattan. And guaranteed, Lee took 30 minutes always to find a parking space in my neighborhood. <laughs> but Anne, my friend Anne, she always found a parking space. She And I asked her about it once, and she said, oh, there's always a parking space somewhere. Yes. And guaranteed, every, they came in around the same time at different days in the same car. 
she always pulled up practically in front of the building I lived in to visit me, whereas Lee would like have to be like two blocks over and down and had to, because they, he believed it was a terrible thing and she believed otherwise. Yeah. And the only differences in those stories is what each person believed. Yeah. And they, and they created the reality they believed in, you know. Anne was the kind of person, you could be driving down a completely parked street and if she was going to like 12 Main Street, just as she got to 12 Main Street, somebody would pull out. Exactly. That's what I, when, when I come back to New York, uh, I, I summon the parking gods. That's what I call it. It's my, it's my, this is my belief. <laughs> I summon my parking gods and I just say, I'm about two blocks or so away from where I want to be. And I'm like, okay, give me the spot. And it, it does pretty much, I would say nine times out of 10 work. You know, yeah, some, some days I may take 20 minutes to find the parking spot I need, but you know. <laughs> some days it may be a lesson you need to learn for that day. You know, exactly. You but, but that works in, a, in a, a worldwide thing to the belief system. And one of the examples uh, that Seth points out is years ago, uh, it, was a, it was an accepted belief that no runner would ever break the five-minute mile. Nobody uh-huh. would be able to run a mile fast. Faster than, than that time, yeah. And at some point, somebody did. And what's fascinating is that after he did it, within like a year or two, two other people broke his record. <laughs> so, and the funny thing is, I spoke to a uh, a gentleman who was a, a physical ed teacher and was very aware of sports and, and exercise. And he said the guy who broke the five minute mile even did it by not doing the things that the accepted experts believed you had to do. So. What you have is somebody who comes along who does not believe what everybody else believes, believes he can break the five-minute mile, does so, and by doing that, almost gives the world permission to stop believing what they've been believing all along, mm-hmm. and then two more people break it within a year. Yeah. That's how powerful our belief systems are. Ah, uh, they are. Well, they and say you can have faith the size of a mustard seed, and you can move a mountain. <laughs> you know. But you got to have the faith. Yeah, yeah. You can't just like half have the faith. (laughs) Well, the trick trick is to always be as open-minded as possible. Yeah. And and be willing to, that button that everybody's wearing years ago that said question authority, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to keep questioning the limits that people tell you because they start doing that from the time you're born. Don't walk too fast. You're going to fall over. And they tell you stuff like, oh, if you go out in the rain without a hat, you're going to get a cold. And for the rest of your life, you go out in the rain without a hat, you can get a cold, even though there's no medical connection. No, there isn't. But you believe it, so you give yourself the illness. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I totally am a... uh, Yeah. Everything is... Thoughts are things. Uh, That is... um, no matter what sign we are, number we are, whatever, thoughts are things. It's, it's how to control those thoughts in our heads. Well, one of the things that, uh, one of the ways I apply this concept to, to astrology when I do a reading, uh, as a Capricorn, of course, I'm very, very fond of Saturn. I of don't, course. I don't quite see it as the monster that everybody sees. No, it you can't. Saturn, it, Saturn is, 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 um, God, he, thank God we have somebody up there disciplined in the whole show. <laughs> the, way, the way I look at it is Saturn is um, how you structure your life. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. But the key words there are how you structure your life. Basically, Saturn are your beliefs crystallized. Mm-hmm. Into form. Into a, like, yeah, materialized form. Yeah. Into a system that, that, that mm-hmm. runs your life, you know. Yeah. And if you believe 
and sometimes the biggest challenge when you know, I have a friend of mine who's getting Neptune transit on her her uh, natal Saturn, and Neptune, of course, is completely dissolving these these structures, and they don't uh, quite work anymore the mm-hmm. way they used to for her. Yeah. And she's having a hard time trying to piece it back together. And uh, my suggestion as an astrologer is to say you have to come up with new beliefs that work for you because yeah. your old beliefs, Neptune's dissolved. There's a there, yeah, yeah, yes, because ne- Neptune will yeah change the whole. So, change the whole program. <laughs> it, it, it always comes down to me in my in my beliefs. It comes down to your, your beliefs as a person. So, which is one of the reasons I, I when I look at a chart, I'm very clear to say make people realize you chose this chart and you've created this reality. And I can look at it and say, you know, when any one of us as astrologers look at different aspects we can interpret them thematically in 15 different ways. There's always a common basis to it, like Mars square, the moon is always about aggressive emotions, and it could be about fighting with women, and it could be about fighting with your mother and stuff. But how you choose to manifest that Mm -hmm. varies from person to person. The incredible creativity we have, because Seth is always saying you have to live a creative life. And creative isn't just about arts and music. and It's about every time you come up with an idea that didn't exist before. Every time you create something that was new to you, yeah. you are creating. That's a creation. That's, yeah, exactly. Incredible creativity. When I when you read people's charts, and t- half the time I'm like, oh, you did that with that aspect? That's interesting, you know? Because they've always creatively interpreted it. You know, I had a right. client who, uh, when I looked at her chart, I saw evidence of a, a Neptunian mother who just wasn't around and wasn't there. And also a very stern mother. And I looked at her and I said, I'm not quite sure how you've played this out. Well, she was given up for adoption when she was born. And mm. uh, her her adoptive mother was very stern and uh, a very strong presence in her life. And even when she tried to, she grew up to hook up with her birth mother, her birth mother was like, oh, I'm glad you're, you're healthy and wonderful and everything, but I can't deal with you. I can't cope with this. And she ran away. Ugh. So she both had this Neptunian mother and a Saturnine mother. And that's something, again, I, it's like, I wouldn't have thought of that, but that makes perfect sense in the context. Of how of her life played out. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I said the, 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 the fasc- one of the fascinations I get out of astrology is just watching how creative people can be with what they've chosen to come in with. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I just always find that fascinating. I, 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 it's such a rich, uh, rich way people do things, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and there's lots of experiences in my life that I started studying the set thing and I, stuff, and I tried to apply it to my life over the years and I'm, sometimes I've been su- more successful than others but again it comes down to fighting the old belief patterns you know um, whether you believe like you deserve money whether you believe what, what, what matters what's important is impo- you know uh, valid or not all these things and it's one of the reasons Seth always tells us examine your beliefs you know and I'm actually in a set study group, and one of the members of the group talks about, like, when you're, you're trying to change your life, look around and ask yourself, what have I created here? Yeah. And why? You know? Um, and you may be happy with what you've created, you may not be, but the point is, understand that you have created this. And, and this applies to mass events, too. When, uh, you know, Seth often talks about how mass events as a society are often everybody contributing to create a statement of some kind. Mm-hmm. And I'm, of course, I'm simplifying this to a certain degree, but because uh, I'm sure there's multi, multi-levels going on. But for one example he gave in one of his books, he said during the Middle Ages, uh, 
the people that consider themselves rich and wealthy and above it all were getting farther and farther apart from the peasants. And so the plague comes along. And the plague doesn't care if you're rich or not. And the yeah, right. <laughs> so basically, you, you have this problem to deal with that now is forcing you to reunite when you know you had been pulling apart as a society obviously those people who died chose to die to make make a statement and those people who survived and who cared for the sick and carried the legacy on are bringing that lesson forward into the future yeah absolutely you know? yes i i i think that's part of a lot of what's gonna uh, you know we got neptune going back into pisces next february yeah. and i do believe we're going to start to see some things like that start to happen again. Uh, you know, people who can survive and handle it with that joy and love thing are, are going to make it through. But the people who want to rely on, uh, you know, stick to the greed and they don't want to give up their comforts and they don't want to give up all this excess that I believe has totally been created um, through, I think, a lot of the Pluto and Sagittarius years. Um, and it, it's, are they going to, you know, what are you going to allow to be let go of, you know, yeah. to optimally live in a, in a new world that is not going to rely on the material? I mean, it's just not going to, it's not, the, the world is not headed towards materialism <laughs> anymore. <laughs> no, it's ironic too that Pluto and Capricorn. And then you got Pluto and Capricorn telling you that for many years to come too. You know, um, it's, it's it's always asking, like, because Capricorn is certainly going to love material things because it's a physical earth sign. Yeah. But uh, it also is so practical, it says, well, never mind the excess. Was, what do you actually need to survive? What yep. is really genuinely important is what Capricorn is always asking. Mm -hmm. What matters? Yeah. Yep. And uh, so it's quite, I think that's part of what, well, Pluto and Capricorn really, in my eyes, kicked off the economic crisis. Oh, sure did. Uh, Along with Saturn and Virgo simultaneously, but uh, you know, <laughs> that just started discriminating against everything that was not working correctly. <laughs> and, and then Uranus drifts into, you know, pops into Aries uh, yeah, yep. in the spring and starts throwing things all around the house. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. <laughs> Starting right. with Japan. <laughs> yeah, Japan and, and, but it's not just Japan, there's been, there was an earthquake in Oklahoma last week. Oh, I know. They've been all over the place. Yeah, so... And I think the Neptune, I actually believe the Neptune going into Pisces uh, will open us up to connect more as a society. I think right now we all feel under siege. And well, I think too, in in um in with Neptune and, and Aquarius, there was an element of detachment that was also going on because you know Aquarius is wonderfully friendly and all that stuff, but it's not the most touchy feely thing going on. And I think once you get Neptune back into that Pisces, you know, the empathy, the sympathy, like, you know, a real call to humanity to check in with the emotions and, and actually deal with them. Um, I, I think you could possibly eventually, I'm not going to say it's happened the day Neptune goes into Pisces, but I think in, in a, over the period of while it's in Pisces, we may find a way to create the common ground that we have, whether we are poor or rich yes. or yeah, it's going to connect. Or yeah. Whatever it might yeah. Be. So, uh, We'll I, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that. Um, we're going to take a little, a little break and uh, let everybody know what's cooking in our local Berkshire community. Um, we'll be right back with astrologer Anthony S. Pico. All righty. So. What's happening in the Burks? 
the Burks. It's a little nickname for the Berkshires over here in, in uh, Great Barrington. And uh, what do we have? We have an instrument drive. This is kind of fun. Um, the Berkshire Children and Families is collecting and launching an intensive after-school music program program at two of Pittsfield's community elementary schools, Conte and Morningside. We are holding an instrument drive to collect new and used violins and cellos for our students to use. We would appreciate smaller sized instruments because the program is primarily for first to third graders. You can call 413-448-8281 extension 19 or Drop them off at the West Street office located at 480 West Street. And your contact person there is Marie Montilla. Um, and again, that's the instrument drive that is um, going on over there in uh, for the elementary schools over in Pittsfield. Now, what else is happening? And we have, how about ladies? It's our time. On November 18th, 2011, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., the um, CHW Alliance of Berkshire County is offering a free women's health conference at the Berkshire Community College in Great Barrington. Topics include suicide prevention, health aging, GYT, get yourself tested, uh, walking in her shoes, and postpartum depression. The community approach to name a few. Registration is required. You will have to email chwalliance at gmail.com. Lunch will be provided and the space is limited. All registrations must be received no later than the 15th. That's today. So you have till today. If you have any questions, you can call Lucy at 413-358-5296. Again, there is coming up uh, on November 18th. It's a... um, the CHW Alliance of the Berkshire County doing a free women's health conference um, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. So check that out. Today's your last day to register. All righty. So, well, of course, you're listening to Sharita Starr, and I welcome you back to the second half of What's Your Sign? I Have Your Number. And my honored and very, very special friend and guest today is astrologer Anthony S. Pico. We've been having a fabulous time discussing how astrology relates to the channeling of the entity Seth, as it was documented by psychic Jane Roberts. You can find Anthony on the web at www.cosmictuesdays.com. And welcome back to the show show anthony again uh, i i wanted to go more into some of the specific self seth things that i i really like to talk about which is uh one of them is the health area yeah because uh, cool. we, we love health our health yeah we we and do that we have to heal the hate that's a little lexagram with health well that's a good point <laughs> I mean, I what, what he talks about is that in almost every Every health situation, we have created it by suppressing ourselves in some other Mm -hmm. area of our lives and not dealing with something that we were supposed to deal with. Yep. And I find sometimes if you look at your, if if you do find yourself ill or having physical problems, uh, it helps to look at what the illness is preventing you from doing and what you have to do to get well again and apply that as metaphors to your life. And uh, I have a funny small story of what happened to me years ago when I was reading the Seth material. And as a young Capricorn, of course, I'm going around saying, suppressing my emotions, and I don't think I am. 
And uh, my friends were on my case a little bit. They were like, you know, you got to open up more. And I, I started pondering, do I really suppress my emotions? I think I'm okay. So I start by getting an infected hair on my finger. <laughs> what happens is it's an ingrown hair. And my hand swells up. And I go to the doctor and they tell me I have to soak it. And eventually it'll open up and, and be free. They gave me some antibiotics. But he didn't want to bandage it. He said, I want you to carry it elevated. So the, the poetry was wonderful. First of all, something that's supposed to come out, a hair, is going back in, gets infected, and is going to kill me if I don't take care of it because an infection can kill you. Yeah, absolutely. So the first question is, gee, I think I let my emotions out. Well, apparently I didn't because the hair is symbolizing it going back in and killing me. And then what's the solution? He doesn't even bandage my hand. I have to carry my hand in an upright position, almost like under my face. So everybody has to ask me, what's, why is your hand like that? And uh, I just was so aware of that now I have to expose myself and be more open and be more direct. Mm -hmm. So the, the silly poetry of like, gee, am I suppressing my emotions played itself out in my body when I decided to try and deny it. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, you know, Louise Hay actually is a great source. Uh, oh, he's she does a lot of work and you can heal your body. By fabulous. Relating, yeah. Relating illnesses to particular areas of your life. Now, I take that mm -hmm. with a grain of salt because I think everybody has created their own self. And um, whereas there are certainly similarities between us all, obviously, if you're a, a, um, an office worker versus, let's say, a, a violin player, if you break your hand, it's going to mean something very different to a violin player than an, you know, an office worker. Oh, you, yeah. You probably work with it, yeah. Yeah, totally. So it always helps to look for the poetry uh, in the illness that you have. Mm-hmm. I like that phrase, the poetry in the illness. That's very, such a more positive way to look at, like, you know, dis-ease, you know. It's, it's like, it's a much more, yeah, I love it. Keep going. <laughs> the only part of suffering is to learn how to stop it. Mm -hmm. He also qualifies two other kinds of illnesses as a loose group. He says there are uh, karmic illnesses where you may choose to come in with the, uh, great personal physical difficulties as a lesson you've chosen to learn. I don't use karma as punishment, which we've discussed before, right. but I believe karma is what you choose to learn. So I think that uh, some people may come in to learn a lot in one life. You know, they're were, they were overloading the course load, like you go to college and take two majors. So sometimes you may come in as somebody who perhaps is a paraplegic all, all their lives and have to learn to deal with that because that's the choice they made. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, not that it means, well, that's your choice, so tough luck, buddy. But then, then we understand what they're doing, and we respect it, and we, we acknowledge them. The same way we want to acknowledge yeah. people with handicaps by having yeah. handicapped bus service or whatever it is. These people need to be part of society. Absolutely. You know. and, and, and it's also, you know, so many people, when it comes to, to the handicapped, I mean, and you've got your very compassionate people out there that, that obviously work with them and all that. But, the, you know, they're a source of discomfort and people don't like things that are uncomfortable. No, and no. they're here, the handicapped are here to teach us how to, you know, deal with discomfort and, and you know, embrace it a little bit. Because, you know, my, my opinion is that uh, 
you come back, you know, I mean, and extending into past lives and, and that you've, we've all been here before in multitudes of different ways. You know, if you come back in a more of a limited, you know, situation in, in the next life, it's probably because you've overdone it in the last one or one of the other ones that you had. So you're learning how to be limited in, in the life that, you know, you chose to like have something like kind of not so happy, supposedly. Um, but I mean, I think there's great joy in what the handicap can can give us. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about that. But you can't be afraid of them, well, which well, some people are. <laughs> one of the interesting things Seth has mentioned is one example he gives um, is he says sometimes a person that comes in with uh, limitations is part of the family's karmic experience. And, and one yeah, example that, he uses, and again, too. fairly simple up five, but he he may say that. Somebody born to uh, some, a child that's born perhaps mentally uh, challenged in many ways, mm-hmm. perhaps autistic, perhaps whatever, they may be born to parents who very much value the intellectual right. life. Yeah. And therefore, the kids, now here's their challenge. This kid's choosing to be born to people that don't aren't willing to face the other side. Because mm-hmm. you can't be linear and logical and intellectual with a person like an autistic child no. or a, a I don't know if retarded is still a valid phrase, but I understand what I'm trying to say. Um, they're much, much, much more intuitive. Living a life that's much more intuitive when you're challenged mentally. Absolutely. And that could force the parents to have to grow and change in some way. And they probably, so, uh, would you say, like, in cases of where you've seen that, that like, those parents maybe have, like, Saturn in their fifth house? Because they're, they're going to see yeah. something sort of, or, or something's really going on with the fifth house there. That why are they why are they here to have that happen to them in this lifetime? Yes, yeah, exactly. And and you sometimes see things in the charts, like you know, on the on the occasions when I've done couples together, uh, you'll often see the the husband and the wife having completely different relationships to the children in their chart. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and there's one couple with it the. the the children all gravitated to the father and uh, it kind of bothered her, but I, you know, she wasn't a particularly compassionate person. She was kind of more intellectually oriented. And I would, I tried to say, you can't cope with children that way. You, know, you have to respond to them in the immediate moment. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, and he was a little more playful and a little more, uh, you know, open to what they communicated with them on their level, as opposed to trying to change who they were. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, the other thing, too, is, is other things that Seth said, which isn't necessarily directly connected to astrology, but he does say that um, you are always in touch with all of your lives. Yes. Oh, I and believe that, too. there's a constant too. dialogue going on between you and all your past lives. Yeah. yeah. And he says that this is a little bit of a challenge, but time doesn't exist. No. So your past lives can be improved. Because of the relationships you have in the present with people that you knew, right, and, and you heal those relationships. Yes, and if you yeah. if you come in if you come in with a particular problem or issue this life, the truer you are to healing it, that's like you know dropping a a, a pebble in a pond and the ripples just go out across time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you were you know if, if you were like a, a real bastard in a previous <laughs> life and very cold. Maybe by being more compassionate and warm this time around, that'll leak back a little bit, and maybe 
tell a bastard back in the past somewhere that, you know, there's more to life than being a bastard and you can heal. You're not locked into your past lives. They could actually change because time doesn't exist. And, and he even suggests that you're, again, working with terms of time, your next life may be in the 1600s. And the right. next life after that may be in 30, 25. Uh-huh. Right, and you, yeah, it's not like this continuum of how we're measuring time at this point right. in the present day. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I, I was always fascinated when Back to the Future came out. I was just like, can I do that? I want to go do that. I was just like, because they yeah. sold me that uh, that existed. I was like, oh, my God, I would love to go back in time. You know, I don't know how much for, farther in the future I'd like to go at this point, but I would love to go back. <laughs> Give me a little time machine. Well, you know, it's interesting when you look at the word eon in and of itself, it spells one. It is. Everything is one. It's the, yeah, totally, totally agree with you there. Um, so. You know, there's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, and I think, you know, people that you meet and, you know, of course, astrology will, will teach you uh, how to, you know, to cross-reference charts to know how, what kind of relationship have you had with this person in the past? Um, if you've got a lot of Saturn connections with them, that's all past life stuff. I think it's, it's Saturn, Pluto, and, and Neptune. The more planets in the charts that are talking to each other and cross-referencing on some, whether it's a square or the sextile or a trine or whatever it is, it's, it, it will explain how positive or possibly negative the relationship was in the past. And what are you meant to do with it now? Um, yeah. you know, how can you, because, you know, everything can be healed in my opinion. Um, it's just, again, going back to that wonderful thing that we have of free will. You know. It also depends on how much you're personally willing to put into it, you know, yeah. uh, cause some things are healed quickly and some things take a bit of work. Yeah. Well, and that's how I look at like, you know, wherever Saturn is, you know, it, it yes. in your current transit of Saturn, which is always somewhere transiting in your birth chart, that, you know, that area of the life is going to slow down for those couple of years. And, and, you know, you're really being asked to take a slow patient look at this. Don't go fast here. And it may be a little challenging, but it's going to be for the best that you're responsible it also, it also asks you to throw out all the crap that you don't and need. And throw out the stuff you don't need. Yeah, you know. Um, and that's why, you know, I agree with you with the, everybody gives Saturn a bad rap, and I'm like, he's not, thank God he exists, because <laughs> otherwise you'd be running around never having any structure. We need structure. You have to have structure in your life. I mean, what we, what would you do without it? <laughs> and Saturn, you probably have a lot more storage lockers of crap that nobody ever threw out. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, one of the other interesting comments that Seth uh, comes up with, and this uh, appealed to me as a Capricorn because, of course, Caps love to believe that if they put up the perfect public image, that's all that matters. Of you course. Know, yes. A less involved Cap, anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things he says is everything, everything you do affects the world. There are no private events. Mm. We are all connected all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. So you can... Oh, I don't know, be a football coach and act like you're wonderful for 30 years. But if you're molesting children behind the scenes, you're still affecting the world. You know, you can't be good in public and, and bad behind the scenes because it's not really behind the scenes. Right. It's it's hidden. It's a hidden yes. thing, but it still exists and you're creating hurt. It's um, I, I shouldn't even get political here, but it's kind of like the Catholic Church. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, all that that goes on with that. I mean, that's coming out in the news now more and more and more that, you know, I mean, that's just, it's unbelievable to me, especially what they represent. I mean, not that a football coach isn't any better, but, or, or less or more of a person, but I mean, to represent the religion and then go behind the scenes and do that to somebody is like, what's going on with that picture? <laughs> well, one of the, actually, since we're still dealing with Saturn, and one of the interesting things Seth talks about is he does, there are, by the way, uh, just a quick aside, when, when we talk about the Seth books, uh, let the listeners know, they were all dictated by him, um, specifically with chapter headings and punctuation, so even though it was being channeled, the books are dictated exactly the way he wanted them to be written. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't like they just gathered a bunch of sessions and threw it in a book. Right. You know? And one of the things he he talks about is um, the uh, God. I got lost when I was talking about the. Uh, That's okay. Hold on, Saturn structure. Oh, okay, fanatics. Uh, since we're talking about what a fanatic is, Seth is, is said is people who have closed off all of their options except one. Ah, and they focus and on that option mm-hmm. because therefore it's like my only option is to blow up this car. You know, in a in a crowded square. Because, yeah. And that's why, you know, again, he stresses the more open your mind is, the more willing you are to accept new possibilities. Mm-hmm. So this again ties into Saturn. It's like if you can create a structure that filters but doesn't close doors. Right. Yeah. That is the healthiest thing of Saturn. I think Saturn, rather than Saturn being a wall... Ideally, Saturn to me should be an excellent filter. Yes, yeah, and, so and to, to do the right thing, make the right choices with that yes. filter. Yeah. Now, how do you see it? Like you know, because like how I also see the natal chart will tell you when you're looking at the relationship between your third and your ninth houses, because the third is where you're formulating your thoughts, your me- your mental pictures and images and things like that. But then the ninth is where you're expressing them as your beliefs. And, but it, it, but also the, the ninth house also covers uh, higher education, higher mm-hmm. learning. So to me, it's almost like you take your local beliefs that you formed in this small world that you came out of, and I don't mean small in any kind of pejorative way, right? But in a limited locality and neighborhood that you're from, and you take it to the ninth house, and then you open the doors to the rest of the world and the rest of the universe. And say, where does this fit in, and how do I expand this to fit it? Mm-hmm. It is how you express your beliefs, but again, it's also higher education, yeah. higher justice. Yeah, so that kind of thing. The house is about how do we expand this? How do we open this up? You know, I've learned how to behave in my neighborhood. Well, now what happens when I travel to China? Can I behave the way I did in my neighborhood? Right. Or do I have to learn to behave a new way? And typically, but being that they are opposing houses, you're going to do something pretty different, I would imagine, yeah. <laughs> most of the yeah. time. <laughs> I mean, that's why we have the uh, third house, the small local journeys. Yeah. And then... And your neighbors and, you know, your siblings, the, the, the things that are closest to you um, in that context. Then you get the worldview in the ninth house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you get your big, your big, uh, your big beliefs on, the bigger beliefs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Mr. Jupiter getting involved in that, you know, because he's yes. going to... And hopefully they're optimistic because Jupiter is, you know, Mr. Jovial and, and nothing like Saturn at all. <laughs> no, the joke I always make is that Jupiter buys you another drink. And, and 
And Saturn tells you when you've had enough. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm not serving you anymore. You have to drive home. You know? yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, or if you make another wrong choice, um, I'll make sure the law finds you. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Which is so, funny because Jupiter does rule the law too. So you know, it's, a, it's an interesting little parallel there, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, Jupiter becomes the higher law, not the letter of the law, yeah. but the spirit of the law. Yeah. Uh, Capricorn is more like, well, these are the letters that you put down, you better follow them. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing another thing that Seth kind of, uh, Seth says that we are all united, that everything, everything in the universe has consciousness. That yes. means your desk, your chair, your wastebasket, your window, along with, of course, all the plants and animals. Yeah, of course, the uh, plants. Everything has consciousness. Everything is aware. Everything functions together, even though we're all separate. And I, I compare it to uh, the way your body is made up of millions of cells that all, you know, are born, eat, die, reproduce, and you keep going on. Mm-hmm. And in a sense of speaking, Seth refers to the universe, the phrase he tends to use is all that is, capital A, capital T, capital I. And all that, and he refers to all that is as, yeah, a, yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. a consciousness. Yep, yep. Not God. Right. Um, but the fact that, because we're all part of this. We're, we're all closest, part of the big unit, yeah. The closest I can come to uh, a current definition would be pantheism, where everything is God. Right. Including you and me and, mm-hmm. and everything else. Although, well, I just want to leave the word God out and say all that is. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he says all that is vibrates with desire okay the thing that all that is wants to see is each one of us be as creative as possible come up with a new idea do something different find a new solution um find that joy in that that uh, that's part of life you know that's Mm -hmm. a big part of life and uh because we are all unique even though we're part of all that is each one of us is unique i mean some of us may be more unique than others but none of us are the same and we just know that from looking at charts yeah i mean yeah no chart will repeat itself for thousands of years no never that's how distinctive everybody's life is even if you're born a half hour apart or 10 centuries apart they're not going to be the same chart no no it's uh the the always in the forward everything's always moving forward Because it can never be the same again <laughs> in that in that way. Even though the past, present, and future are all one, but you know the 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 here and the now is always going to be different. Well, yeah, he says actually. Uh, I mean, it's a variation of the Zen thing when you say "be here now." Uh, Seth's statement is the point of power is in the presence, the present. Yeah. Okay. Anything you do, you do right now, and it ripples out in every direction. But your point of power is always with you in the present moment. You know, um, be here now, as they say. Uh, and the thing, one of my favorite quotes, you know, which is just to wrap up the set stuff here in a way. Uh, again, I encourage anybody to go out and buy some of the books if they can because they're fascinating material. Mm-hmm. But uh, he has this wonderful statement that I'm slightly going to paraphrase. He says, the universe leans in your direction. Mm-hmm. It's not neutral. He says a tree doesn't have to ask to get sun and rain and water. Animals don't have to ask to get these things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and neither do we. The universe leans in our direction and wants to give us what we need. He even goes so far as to saying that, that um, 
sometimes the reason that major illnesses don't come later until much later in life is because you have to spend 20 or 30 years pushing it against the universe yeah. where it finally gives way and says, fine, be sick, be, do what the problem is, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, and I just find that, you know, such a, a wonderful statement. The universe leans in your direction. It's, it does. It wants you to be happy. It, it totally does, yes. Uh, the, the formula of thinking we're here to be miserable is, is definitely, it, it's the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he actually has another great phrase, which which uh, freaked me out when I first heard it, particularly being a Capricorn. But he says, and has said a number of times throughout his books, "If it isn't fun, stop doing it." Uh huh. That's and right. I don't. I don't think he means abandon. You know, paying rent and everything. Uh, right, right, really, right. <laughs> but what you're doing in life should be fun, Age. should be joyful. Yeah. You're not happy with it. Let go of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, do what you love, you know. It's like, uh, I think Rumi says, uh, there's an expression, let the beauty of what you do be what you, be what you love. Yeah, let the beauty of what you do be what you love. So, yeah, that's, yeah. It's an inside-out version of the same statement. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And Rumi said it back and you know, in his time. <laughs> so, well. Uh, and, and Seth has also said that our natural, as personal entities, our natural state is multidimensional. And that we've chosen to come into this plane, into the three or four dimensions that make up this plane, um, for a reason of focusing and, and making making certain decisions and choices that aren't available in other dimensional levels. I'm not quite sure how to describe this. And he says when we dream, we actually leave our bodies and become multidimensional for a while, which is one of the reasons our dreams are so weird, because yeah. we're trying to compress... A hundred dimensions and back in the and, and yeah, and they all combine in that state. Yeah, the in the dream state. Yeah, sure, because it's not we're not down here when we do that. Right. I, I I agree with that too. Yeah, because boy, some dreams are like wow, <laughs> where'd that come from? <laughs> well, Anthony, this has been awesome as always having yes, you. Yes, having you back on the show and um this is really this has been fun because i've i've i kind of like simultaneously when i started kind of getting more serious about astrology i was very into the seth speaks and um i was like wow this is really cool <laughs> I, I, got into, I got into it uh and about a year later i got into astrology and i don't yeah I wonder if i hadn't read seth if i wouldn't have been open yeah at the time i was very much like astrology has got to be a little crap <laughs> of course, but you sought to disprove that, so that's uh, that's all good. And and you're like Einstein. You're another five like Einstein. Five energies do that. They they think oh logically this isn't going to work, so let me disprove it. And then they discover that they can believe in it. So there you go. <laughs> so I guess to close out on that stuff, just remember the purpose of suffering is to learn how to stop suffering, and the universe leans in your direction. Those are the two uh, lovely. Lovely thoughts really to close the day. For yes, lovely thoughts to close the day. Well, thank you so much again, my dear. And um, we'll be looking forward to uh, talking to you in 2012. Sounds good. All right, my dear. Have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. You too. Enjoy the week and the month and the year. You too. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye. 
Again, we wholeheartedly thank Anthony S. Pico for joining us today. And again, you can find astrologer Anthony on the web at www.cosmictuesdays.com. You've been listening to What's Your Sign? I have your number with me, Sharita Starr. And be sure to check in with our blog, sharitastarradio.blogspot.com. If you've got a question, comment, I love your emails, sharitastarradio at gmail.com. Or go right to our website, www.berkshireradio.org, because we want to know what you think. Leave a comment. We value your opinion. And stay tuned. You are listening to Berkshire Community Radio, WBCRLP 97.7 FM, Great Barrington. We are approaching the noontime hour here, and we'll see you next time for a special edition of What's Your Sign? I Have Your Number on the 29th of November with special guest Wild Bill Firehands and Housatonic filmmaker Robbie Bayer. This will surely be a fantastic show to tune into as we explore all the star secrets behind this upcoming documentary on the intriguing life of Wild Bill. We hope you are better from our hour together namaste the elvis hour is up next and much love to you my dear stars